sermon is based on Psalm chapter 51. So on your pew Bibles, that will be starting at page 483. I will be reading from the New International Version. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my turn will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of our Heavenly Father. Morning, those visiting with us this morning, I just want to make that very clear. I'm not the pastor of this church. I'm just a fellow, uh, I'm a member of Western Park, and it's really a privilege to share the word with you this morning. Every time I come here when Pastor Alan asks me if I would preach, I always say yes, and there are for a number of reasons. One of them is really that gives me a chance to look at a text and study it for a little bit of time. And this morning, the title of this message is The Creator of Clean Hearts. What I would like to do is to review a little bit uh, some, of, uh, some elements of the Psalms, and then hopefully as we reflect on this text, Hopefully, this will give us a chance to think about the transformative power of the Word of God. The Bible reminds us that this Word is life. And if we allow these words to speak to us, even if there's no speaker here, the Word is powerful in itself, and it will change us. It will transform our lives. So let's pray. 
Father God, uh, thank you again this morning for the opportunity to look at your word. And Father, if I would just shut up and allow you to speak, Father, speak through me, Father. Teach me and teach my fellow brothers and sisters, Lord, what you want to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I think, hopefully, every time I, I do this, I say to myself, Pastor Alan is so smooth, man. He's so smooth. He moves. And he changed things like, oh, it's like, okay, how can, the, how, can, how can he do this so naturally? I can't. Anyway, we'll try. So the text uh, this morning again is Psalm 51. Sorry? This way? Yeah, yeah okay, perfect. See, I'm learning. Thank you. Um, the Psalms. I like the Psalms. I don't know about you. I like the Psalms. There are many references to the Psalms. First of all, this is a collection of songs and hymns that were sung before. And even this morning, we use Psalm 27 as a call to worship. I like the Psalm for a number of reasons. First of all, they are rich in images and metaphors. You know some of them. The Lord is my shepherd. That's in Psalm 23. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been a refuge throughout generations. I think of this idea of refuge throughout all the generations. And then Psalm 42. We have this image of the deer. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you, O God. You know some of these images. They're so rich. And in the Psalms, we encounter real people. People just like you and I. With a whole range of emotions, you find people who are angry, people who are sad, at one point, you see David so sad, so down, and in another psalm, he's jumping with joy. He said, let's go to the temple. People who are disappointed, people who are desperate. And what we find out is that after the psalm, they become, they are rejuvenated in a certain way. They are re-energized. The Psalms are refreshing. But there's one more thing about the Psalms. Even in the laments, where we find people in despair, even after this, what we find there is a common thread. Weaved in all the Psalms, there is this common thread of hope. There's so much hope in the Psalms. Even when the people are so down, when they've sinned, whatever their situation is, 
after you've read the psalm, you said, hey, I can do this. When I was a kid, I think I've mentioned that several times, my dad used to teach my sister and me the psalms. Every morning he would read a psalm. And I can still see him with his, he was thin, slim, but with the veins bulging on his bony hands, he would raise his hands and use the psalms. And this is where really my foundation in terms of the Psalms, in terms of my relationship with God was developed. So this morning, we want to look at Psalm 51. And you know, in the Psalms, there's not a lot of doctrines But they are there for two purposes, I would say. One of them is to express ourselves to God. So we we find examples of people, how they were expressing themselves to God with their raw emotions. And we too, whatever you're feeling this morning, we can come to God in that state and express ourselves. And then also we get to consider his ways. Here, In Psalm 51, we want to see how how David positions himself before God. And hopefully it is an invitation to you, to me. It is an encouragement to us to come before God and to approach him. And to approach him with our raw emotions, with whatever we are feeling. Because it is a prayer. As Mika uh, said earlier this morning when we were singing this song, this song created me a clean heart. Psalm 51. The psalmist. We have different writers of the psalms, and David is one of the famous writers of the psalms. David, we know David, he's called the anointed one. And the story is that Samuel was asked to go and find a king. And David was saying, you know what? If we were to go to find a king, we need to look at someone who is very strong. And here in 1 Samuel verse 16, sorry, chapter 16, verse 7, he says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Because Samuel thought one of the brothers of David would be the one who has been chosen by God to be king. And the Lord says to him, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So this morning, I'm sure you spent some time in front of the mirror, but God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God is looking at a heart. Who was David? We know some of the things about David. 
He was a young boy looking after sheep. He was a shepherd. We know about David, the giant slayer, how he slayed Goliath. He was a great warrior. He was a talented musician. How do we know this? Because a lot of the Psalms saying, this is the Psalm, this is a song by David. And he was Israel's greatest king. So that's the image we have of the psalmist. What is the context of Psalm 51? Well, if you were to look at the book of Samuel in chapter 12, you know the background story. There was one point he was king. Instead of him going and fighting with the people, he stayed behind. He was on his balcony. There is the picture he saw a woman, not his wife, but Sheba. And then he, as a summary, you know the story, he committed adultery. But the worst is that in order to cover up his crime, he sent Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, and strategically placed him at the front of the army to be killed. And this is what happened. That was an attempt to cover his crime. And then David, uh, Nathan, the prophet sent by God, spoke with him and said to him, I'm sure you remember the words, you are the man. And as soon as this happened, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And that's the context of Psalm 51. Who's David? We know earlier on, he said, David, a man after God's own heart. That's his description. A man after God's own heart. And David was chosen by God to be king because of his heart. And he has so many characteristics. So many things going for him. However, he still sinned. When I was reading about this, I'm thinking, me and all of us, maybe we've, we've been following the Lord for such a long time. We've seen God working in our life. We've seen our he has walked with us. We know what is right and what is wrong. Yet a heart, a condition, we are so weak. In Peter, we are reminded, we are being told, 
Watch. Be careful. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. I have a brother whose name is Solomon. He's really wise. He's shy but wise. And I would call him every morning. I would call him for a few minutes every morning. Just talk to him. And he reminds this. He said, he keeps reminding me. He said to me, be careful, watch. And in French, he would translate this in French because that's my first language. He said, watch. Because they are comme des lions, like lions. The devil is like a lion, seeking to devour you. Today, we don't have lions roaming in Toronto. But the lions are there. The devil is looking for each one of us, seeking to devour. Let's be mindful. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon says, We are but men frail, feeble, and apt to faint. Today we would say, we are but men and women, frail, feeble, and apt to faint. Just fall, fall on the face, faint. We need to be careful. This psalm is so rich, and if you were to go, I've done a little bit of research over the last month. If you were to go, you're going to find a lot of sermons on this particular psalm. And there is quite a bit of focus on David, a lot of focus on David. And David comes around as an example saying, you know, look at David, look what he did. How he approached God and how he was able to repent and turn back. This is so true. But this morning what I would like to focus on is really about the God in Psalm 51, about David's God, how he viewed God. The first thing I would say is that in this psalm, where he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. The first element that we can say that God has in this psalm, the picture of God that we have, is that immediately after he has sinned, David sees God as a God who protects, as a God who protects his children, his son, his daughter, you me. A God is a God who protects us. 
On one side, we have a roaring lion. On the other side, we have a God who protects. He says he's a God of mercy. Now, I'm sure when I say the God, a mercy, when I say to you, a merciful God, a God full of mercy, probably you say, you know, I've all my life in, in church, I've heard this word mercy. I did a little bit of research. The word mercy in Hebrew is rekem. And the word, and it means it has the same root as the word rechem. Rekem and rechem. Very often when we think about Mercy, we think of a judge. Where when someone has committed something, the, God, uh, the judge pardons or forgives. Yes, this is this idea. That's rakem. But there's also the word reachem. Reachem, same Hebrew, another Hebrew word, same root. And that word means a mother's womb. And the idea is that the protection that God gives us is similar to the protection that the mother gives a baby in her womb. That's the type of protection that we get. That's the type of protection that God grants to us compared to the roaring lion. So when there is a roaring lion that comes to us, that seeks to devour us, God protects us as if we are this little baby in the mother's womb and guards us. So that's, I think, that's the first thing that we have to bear in mind. And the one thing also I would say is that when David is confronted by the sin or confronted by Nathan, he doesn't go, you know, and say, well, you know, Lord, it's really, I was really in a moment of weakness. The only thing that he said, I have sinned. I have sinned. And I think if we were to come to this, with this attitude in front of God, Lord, I have sinned. The first thing that God does is to do what? He protects us. And so we have the word mercy. We have the word, the expression unfailing love. And we have the word compassion. And the Hebrew and Greek words, when they talk about compassion, it again means to have mercy, to, see, to feel sympathy, and to have pity. So the great God, first of all, he, has, he protects us because of his mercy, but we are also reminded God is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
We've read this so many times, right? Think about this. A compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, slow to anger. Are you slow to anger? I'm not. When you're driving, right, what happens? Do you ever think about, hey, I better slow to anger here? But God is a God who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So he is a God who protects. The second thing that we would say is in this psalm, he's a God who rescues us. When you're reading the psalm, when I was reading the psalm, I said, you you know, great. Immediately when David realizes that he has sinned, what does he do? He runs to God, right? But when you look at this, David runs to God because it is really God who took the initiative of drawing his attention to what he's done. It's not just David who did this, but it is God who took that initiative by sending his prophet to open David's eyes to his own existence, to his life, to his project. Basically what God is saying, David, I am highlighting this in your life so that you can get back into my plan, into the plan that I have for you. I want to rescue you from yourself. I want to rescue you from your heart because a heart is evil. I want to rescue you from yourself. I want to rescue you from your heart, from your own desires, from your own plan. I don't know for you, have you ever been in a situation where you are going one way and you fail? Has that ever happened? You had all these plans, this is where I want to go, and you fail and you fall flat on your face. And you wonder, you know what? God, where are you? But I think it is God at times who causes us to fail, to stop where we are going. He is the one, in Hebrews, the word tells us, he is the author and finisher of a faith. He's the one who started it. He's the one who's going to finish it. And along the way, he's with us. He rescues us from ourselves. I'd rather go God in control of my life because if I were in control of my own life, I can guarantee you one thing. It would be a total mess. The one thing we know, God prays for mercy. But it is not, sorry, David prays to asking God for mercy. But it is not David, David's prayer that produces mercy in God. God is merciful. That's his character.
So David continues, God continues to journey with us, always near to protect us, even in the worst moment of our lives. David calls on God to give him a new heart, a renewed spirit, because he knows good actions can only originate from a clean heart. What we can say here is that God is the one who protects us. God is the one who rescues us. But God is also the one who can give us a clean heart. Have you ever, you know, at times, many times in my life, have said to myself, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe, I can't believe I thought about that. I can't believe I desired that. Has that ever occurred to you? The God that we have is a God who is able to create. And in some of the commentaries that I've read is this idea of the God who creates, who can create in us a new heart, who can give us a new heart, is the same God who created the universe. He's the same God who created man, woman, He's at work. He continues to create. And here David says, you know what? I have sinned. Blot out my transgressions, my iniquity. By ourselves, we have no power to change. But God can. God has a lot of forgiveness for us. I have the story here, a rabbi who understood that merciful nature of God, the God who is able to forgive. He prayed this once. He said, Lord, we have many sins. You have much forgiveness. I propose a deal. Why don't we exchange, why don't we exchange our sins? Why don't you exchange my sins for your forgiveness. And he said, but God, if God were to say, you know what, this is not a fair deal. And the rabbi said, then I would ask him, yes. But if we had no sins, what would you do with all your forgiveness? God is a God who can forgive God, in the Psalm 51, we have a God who protects us. We have a God who rescues us. We have a God, no matter where you and I are, we are a God who can 
recreate in us a clean heart and allow us to get back into his plan to continue to move forward, to continue. God has a plan for you. He said, you know what? It's not by coincidence you're here. I have a plan for you. Have you ever counted the number of hair you have on your head? God says, I know. When I went, I, when I went to Mauritius last, uh, last April and May, I went to the church I used to attend. And there was a guy, and I remember some 20 years ago, when I last saw him, he had a lot of hair. But when I, when I saw him, his head was completely bald. And I made a comment to him. And you know what he said to me? He said, that's God's plan. He said, that's God's blessing on me. That's what God had for me. I'm going bald. And I say, praise God, that's his plan. The God who is able to create, the God who is able to... Sorry, I think I went back. Learning. So the, the prayer of David, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Why sustain me? Because you and I, no matter where we are, we have to move forward in God's plan. No matter what your past has been, no matter what Saturday looked like for you, today it is Sunday. God has a plan for you. God will sustain you through the power of His Spirit to allow you to move on to continue to walk. David understands that his heart is wicked and he has no power to change whatsoever. We know in the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, we read this a little bit, and we kind of move to the next verse. But these are Christ's words, which means one thing. This can be true of you and me. Because he said, blessed are those who have pure hearts, for they will see God. It is not an advertising. It is not a scam. He said, if you have a pure heart, you will see God. That's his promise. This is what he's telling you this morning. He said, don't worry about that other stuff. Blessed are the pure in heart, you will see God. That's a promise that he gives to us. 
And he blesses you, he blesses me. We can have pure hearts. We can have pure hearts because the creator of the universe can recreate in us each day his mercies are new every morning. This is what the word tells us. His mercies are new every morning. Not just yesterday. This morning when you got up, he said to you and to me, my mercies are new for you today, this morning, today. Jesus uh, tells us, he promises us to protect us from evil and harm if we trust and obey him. He will cover us with his love and truth and shield us from the attacks of the enemy. You know the story of David, right? We know, we know this, right? We know this episode in his life. What happened afterwards? He reigned for many years afterwards. Why? I don't know what your past looks like. Maybe there's this one thing that has caused you to stumble at one point. But God is saying, you know, get in my plan. I will protect you. I will rescue you. I will give you a new heart. And you will get in my plan. I will sustain you. Because I am, I am the author and finisher of your faith. I will do this. Don't worry. Me, I will do it because I love you. One of the, one of the problems when I have, when I come here and I speak, I get excited. And then I find out so many more things to say. God is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in their spirit. That's what the words tells us. We don't need, you don't need me to tell you that, but just a reminder, just reading the word, it will work through you. It will act. We are reminded, God says, if I send my word, it will not come back to me void. It will do its thing. It will do its thing in you, in your hearts. And, and God says in this psalm, he says, I will restore you. I will restore you. To restore is to recreate, to make you new, to make you fresh, so that it will carry you on. Maybe you've been, you know, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. We have to be, even though we've been Christians for a long time, we have to remember we have a job to do to God's heart, to God, to God our hearts from the evil one from temptation. No matter where we've been, how big our failures are, God's mercy has the power to cleanse us 
if we come to him. It is said that the best time to make a good decision, the best time to make a good decision is after you made a bad decision. And the best time to come to God, the best time to come to God is immediately after you've sinned. God says, come, I will blot out your transgressions. I will remember them no more. I will erase them. If you ask me what you did, I would say, I can't remember. Jesus' words are the following. And I will end with this. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Come to me. All you, wherever you are, whatever your situation is, whatever your health situation is, whatever is on your mind, we are reminded, Jesus tells us, you know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is a promise that Jesus gives us. We are blessed. If we are pure in heart, we will see God. And if we are weary, Jesus' invitation this morning is the same. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's a promise. Come, I will give you rest. Amen.